You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. And we're going to go through a little series of, of teaching here this morning where I want you to look back at your life, you know, as I'm teaching and see how many things the Holy Spirit can pop up on that list because you're going to make a list and we're going to go back in history because there's a power in this that maybe, you know, I've never preached this message, by the way, this is brand new. I mean, this context, you know, almost 30 years of preaching, this is the first time I ever tackled it this way. So I'm excited to see where, the, where it goes because it's always different from my notes because, you know, so let's get right into it. I want you to open your Bibles, first of all, into into, <laughs> open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, verse 67 and 7 through 74. I might read a little further down, but I mean, it's a lot of reading. So this is still the Christmas story, but this is way ahead. You know, this is really talking about John the Baptist. There was two significant births at the time of Christ. It wasn't just Christ. The other one was John, his cousin, that was called to speak, you know, the coming of the Christ. And there's some words in his dad, Zacharias, and so forth. So I'm not going to get into it, but I want to pull one thing out of here, and we're going to just build on that. So Luke 61, chapter 67, I'm trying to say, chapter 1, verse 67. And, and his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which has been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand that all that hate us. Now, keep tracking because this is still a prophetic word, all right? It's not just specific to that point. And then he says this, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. So there's something here in this prophetic word. Now, he's speaking about something that John the Baptist had to speak. It's important you understand this because even though John John the Baptist wasn't the Christ, he came before the Christ, he baptized Jesus, made him the Christ. You know, Jesus of Nazareth becomes Jesus the Christ after the baptism. Excuse me. But what is significant about this is that the condition, if you want to call it, of the Jewish nation in the area of worship was in a mess. They had become completely cultural, you know, like a lot of, Today's society, you have cultural Christians, and you have Christians that really are seeking a little more depth. Not that anyone's better than the other, but back in the day, it was a bad place. There was a Roman domination. Everything was a mess. And the voice of John the Baptist was very significant. Now, nobody really preaches a lot on John the Baptist because, you know, we focus on Jesus. But his voice was very significant. But one of the things that that I want to pull out of this, and I might not read everything else, but it's really good, everything that it says there, because all these are prophecies that apply to the Christian life. So, but the, verse 74 is, is important because the two points here is, you know, he says, I want you to be delivered, well, I'm sorry, uh, uh, 72, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, to remember the covenant. So what has happened is one of the, one of the messages, and that's why John the Baptist eventually got executed, and, and when, he was very open. He was very blunt. He didn't no filters if he wanted. He lived in, you know, he's a wild man. He lived, he ate honey and locusts. But he, but he was a prophet. And, he, and one thing that people have forgotten and one thing that people forget today is covenant. That is one of the biggest lessons you can learn in, in whatever brand of Christianity you want. It doesn't matter what church you go to. Unless you understand what a covenant is, you have a very superficial understanding of, of what Christianity is. Because God put his blood and his name on this. Pay attention to it. And the fact that it says to remember is, is calling to people. Now, this idea of remembrance in the Bible, give me the next slide, RJ. We're, we're going to stop there because there's a lot in there. The idea of remembrance in the Bible is a theme all through the Bible, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, over and over and over. You hear the cry of God saying, remember, remember. You got to remember. 
you got to come back to that. And, and if you're not careful today in Christianity, we see it, you know, we get cultural Christianity, we can get very comfortable. And one of the things that will come against you is a, how can I put it, a place in your life where you really start kind of like just looking at, you know, kind of tunnel vision your life, and you start really forgetting all the wonderful things that God did for you. Thank you for your excitement on that word. But here's my point. Um, this is not about living in the past. You know, we, there's only two places. I mean, you actually live in one place. You know, you don't live in the future. You don't live in the past. You live in your present. So you better start enjoying it. All right? Some people live in their past and they're miserable. Some people live in the future they're miserable. The people that learn to live in their present enjoy life. Amen? I wouldn't even charge you for that one. But in Christmas time, you know, all these emotions come to me. I love Christmas, by the way. We finally bought a new Christmas tree because ours was like really raggedy. We had it like for 20 years. How many have that? The tree that looks like a dried out mesquite. Yeah, you see now they just, you know. So we bought one, and I'm like, you know what? I love Christmas. So I bought one really tall one. I mean, it almost hits the ceiling, right? And I was looking at that day, and I said, what a great time, you know. And then you begin to see family. So Christmas really is a time to remember, right? So, we, so we're going to build a little bit on this. And some of the things that you go through, you know, you kind of remember who's gone before us. You know, through the last couple of years in the season of COVID, it's been, you know, such a complicated time for a lot of us. As I told you, you've heard of me, and some of you were here. We know we did way too many funerals. So a lot of people have gone before. So this is a good season, you know. And, and that's where I get a little emotional because, you know, Christmas has a lot of memories of my mom and my dad and so forth. And, of course, they've gone before us. It's also, you know, a time to remember God's grace. Look at your neighbor and just really, really, you know, in a nice way. It could be husband, wife, friend, or across the aisle say, if it wasn't for God's grace, go ahead and tell them. Look at somebody right in the eye. Linda, you can look at Lee, Leanne, you know. If it wasn't for God's grace, you wouldn't be here. Okay, so we, let's just settle that right now. If it wasn't for God's grace, some of us wouldn't even be on earth right now. I can attest to that. Because <laughs> in my teenage years, I was, I was telling my, my daughter some teenage years, stories of my teenage years. She didn't even, she looked at me like, I didn't know that. I said, yeah, it was, you know, they threw me in jail in Mexico City and they wanted to try me as an adult. Yeah, you said, that's, that's past. Yeah, I got some stories. I can tell you guys some stories. But the last one is you've got to remember our human frailty. If something COVID has taught us is we're frail. If something COVID has taught us is we need a savior. Come on, church. If something this pandemic has taught us is that we don't have anything else but Jesus. And I want to correct something because I said this and then, I, then the Holy Spirit kind of corrected me. Because I, I've been saying for a while now, to, to make a point, I, I kept saying, you know, tomorrow's not promised. He said, I keep saying that, and, and the Holy Spirit corrected me, Janice. He said, no, it is. With long life, I will satisfy you. That's promised. Y'all, come on, wake up. Psalm 91, with long life, I will satisfy you. So stop saying, tomorrow's not promised. It's not promised by humanity, but it is promised by God. Amen? And, and, and this is the things that you've got to understand. You know, in the Christmas season, I think it's a great time, not that you just do it the Christmas season, but to really build some of these memorials, because, again, in the Old Testament... Give me the next one, RJ. In the Old Testament, you would see some of these things. For example, these are things that we were called to remember. And one of them was the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a time of remembrance. It wasn't a time of goofing off and resting. It was a time to remember that God rested. And if we really were, like, legit understand that, we would take some time off also and do this, right? You also find out that the Passover was designed to remember, and they still celebrate it today, how, the, how they were delivered from Egypt. In the Old Testament, you would find altars of remembrance to commemorate God's miraculous works. You would find stones in the desert. Every time God did something, they would build an altar. Well, not an altar. They would build a memorial. Sorry, not an altar. A memorial. Remember, the, the children of Israel were 40 years in the desert, and they weren't in a... They, I mean, if you look at the track, they weren't like all over the place. They were kind of like going in circles, like big circles. But, but here's the thing. The reason they would pile these rocks up is like, you know, maybe three or four years later, they would come around the same path and one of these little kids that started to grow up and say, hey, Daddy, what's that pile of rocks over there? He said, well, let me tell you what God did right here. See, remembrance is a very important thing. And if we don't learn, and if I could just title the message other than tis the season to remember, it would be the power of covenant remembrance. And the reason I didn't title that because it sounds really theo theologically deep, right? But it's not. It's, it's a time to really sit back. And that's why I said take something out and start writing because the Holy Spirit's going to say, hey, remember this? Remember that? Remember this? Remember that? Remember when I was there? Because the devil, you know, he'll convince you that God's not real. He'll convince you that everything was a coincidence. 
And I look at my, back, my life, and my problem with my life is that before Jesus, I had a lot of coincidence, but they're all bad. Come on, y'all, y'all, y'all go Baptist on me? Or what? Think about it. All the coincidences before Jesus, I know you guys were born holy. I wasn't. You know, you guys are really uptight. They are uptight. I'm going to help you out. Men, listen to me. Do you know how you will never, ever, 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 ever forget your wife's birthday? Just forget it once. You'll never forget it ever again. All right, that didn't, that didn't go too good. All right. Let's talk about something else here. Because I, I want you to go this week because, you know, I have a tendency. It happened to me a few days, not a few days ago. It happens every once in a while. But I was cleaning my shed out, and I came across a picture of my mom. Now, I got pictures of my mom in my house. I love my mom dearly, and she's in heaven praising Jesus. But I kept looking at that picture, and I kept remembering. And before I knew it, I remembered myself into tears. Anybody? You see, your mind has a very, very, very powerful thing in it that it will go to a place that you've lived before and generate the same feelings, the same emotions, and even the same response of something that could have happened 20 years ago. Right? I I want to take you down a spiritual path on this because this is the spiritual principle that I'm teaching you this morning. Tis the season to remember, but not to go back and say, well, you know, they did this to me and they did that to me and that person did this to me. And, you know, that's not what we're talking about. Because that, you know, some people do that. What happens, you know, most of, and I'm going to say most of you, but you've, maybe if not you, you've experienced something that somebody hurt you deeply, 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 you know, 15, 20 years ago, and you can say you're past it, I'm, I'm over it. But if you sit and dwell on that long enough, you'll relive the whole thing. You'll relive it like it's happening right there. So, so where I'm going with this is that your mind has this amazing ability to create to recreate. It's just kind of like a photograph. You know, I love photography. That's one of my, my passions, my hobbies. But, you know, what is the power of a, of a photography? I mean, even if it's a beautiful photo, even if it's photo art, whatever it is, the power of a, of a, of a, of a picture is the memory it created. Right? So you go back in your albums and you find, oh, look, when he was little, you know, looking back even when Caden, we know when he was a baby, now he's like almost my size. And you go back and what's happening? You're re- reliving those moments. Are you also with me? Pay attention to this because here's one of the principles that I think as spiritual people, as seeking the things of God, you've got to remember because we get faced with all kinds of challenges. Like I said, our family's going through great seasons, but we're also going through some challenges. You could probably relate the same way. And in the time of challenges, you know, and, I, and I'm saying I, I'm picking tis the season because it's Christmas, you guys are going to have some time off, you're not going to be you know, hopefully as busy as you always are, that to really have some time, and I'm going to show you how to do it, by the way. I'm not just going to let you hang, and I'm going to give you really cool, that's what I'm saying, start writing a few things down, to sit back and say, let me just track my life and see where I'm at with this. Because when you're going through a storm, the devil is going to convince you that this is the one that's going to bury you. This is it. This is the big one. There's no way you're coming out of this one. The only problem with this, he's been saying the same thing for 30 years. And he's been saying it through every storm. So somebody's lying. I picked Satan. You see, remembrance of covenant is one of the major themes. I'm talking major themes in the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, they they could not have the born-again experience because Jesus hadn't come. I don't want to get all deep into that. But the only thing they had to bring the power of God down was their memory of covenant. If you remember, you know, again, I'm just going to pick some things out of that Old Testament because this will take forever to finish this. But if you start reading the book of Exodus, the children of Israel have been in captivity over 400 years. All right? Everybody say 400 years. That's four centuries. Generations and generations and generations of slavery. And the book of Exodus Somebody in those 400 years, or well, somewhere in those 400 years, because this is not a season, this is a whole era, they forgot what God had done with Abraham. Somewhere in those 400 years. And it got translated into the kids and into the 
Next generation, next generation. But then 400 years later, somebody remembered it. You read the book of Exodus. Start reading it. And the children of Israel remembered their covenant, and they began to cry out to God, help! And God's been waiting. Well, that, what took you so long? It only took you 400 years to say that. Pay attention. Well, why didn't God just come in? And, well, here's the thing, because God will never violate your free will. So when all those people say, if God was this and God was that, and why are there so many problems, so many wars, why is the world falling? Free will. You see man, right now you see society, you see, you see the government, you see the world system, you see everything. You're, you're beginning to see what, a, what mankind looks without God. And it's going to just get worse and worse and worse and worse. So, so don't, don't get upset. But are you seeing all that stuff? You hear the conversations we're having with 11-year-olds about transgenderism? Are you kidding me? You're beginning to see a society without God. That's all you're seeing. So the people of God have now a responsibility to remember covenant, Linda. Because if we don't remember it, nobody else will. And I'm talking Christianity as a whole. Obviously, I'm not talking just this church. But just bring it down to your house now. You say, well, Pastor, I can't change the world. Okay, I get that. What about your house? What about your home? Is it a home where covenant is reminded of? Is it a home where your kids are taught about covenant? Amen? Listen to me. You say, well, they're too little. No, 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 they don't. They understand this perfectly. They might have a greater revelation than you do because covenant is about simply trust. And your kids, if you're raising them and you're not some freak parent, they trust you completely with everything about their lives. I'm going to say most kids because, of course, there are exceptions. But most children, I'm just going to assume most children of this congregation, they don't go to bed at night worrying about the electric bill or the car note, unless you're like a psychotic parent and just put all your poison into them. They're not thinking about that. They're not thinking about the IRS. Come on, church. They're not thinking about it. They're just thinking, i got to go to sleep. <laughs> you're the one that stays up all night. Oh, I want to wait, I want to wait, I want to And then you throw this little word, oh, God, what am I going to do, what am I going to do? That is so oxymoron. How can you say God and what am I going to do in the same sentence? What happened, Gilly? That got so quiet. Say amen, everybody. I got all day today, by the way. (laughs) All right. David and other writers meditated on the works and wonders of God. And today we're going to have communion, and it's going to be a really different communion, because I'm going to talk about it at the end, so don't get excited. We're not having yet. But in the Last Supper, Jesus, remember Jesus? If you don't think remembrance is a, is, is a theme, except we've, we've boiled it down to something really, really, really not significant. So we're like, I remember Jesus. No. He's talking about this covenant. In the Last Supper, Jesus said, you do this in remembrance of me. So what have we turned it into? Come Sunday, once a month. That's fine. I mean, that's, you know. Okay, let's all remember Jesus. Jesus. And, that's, and, we, and we just missed like 99.9% of the power of what that ceremony was. Amen? All right, give me that. Let's go. Let's come to care. The Israelite seasons of faithful remembrance and seasons of forgetfulness when they forgot God, you could always see it. They became captives. And, and I was going to go down this path, but it was really complicated, so I don't want to. But if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, he talks about it. Deuteronomy chapter 8, he talks about it. He says, while they were seeking God, things were working. Can you say amen to that? But, you know, Deuteronomy 6, and again, it's, it's a theme, but I believe in Deuteronomy, it says, and when you have prospered, and all is well, and you have eaten to satisfaction, that little thing is still happening today in church. Don't forget your God that brought you out of a land of scarcity. Don't forget your God that brought you out of land a fire and heat. I'm mean, a loose paraphrase, but that's what he's saying. Don't forget, because if you forget, you will go back and serve the gods that I delivered you. In other words, Egypt. Right back to the captivity of 400 years. Okay, let, let's just bring that into reality. Let's bring it into today. How many remember the day that you, you gave your life to Jesus? Raise your hand. 
To me, it was the most glorious day of my life. I was a wreck. I was a mess. You guys know my story. And I had nothing. I gave my life to God, and nothing really changed. I mean, we were still broke. I didn't have a job. Everything was a mess, but I was saved. But that moment, if somebody would have told me, your house burned down, you know what? It would have not mattered. That moment, I'm not, I mean, but then we became professional Christians, right? Come on, don't say amen. You became a professional Christian. You got your language, your Christianese, and your hallelujahs. You even know how to fall down without busting your head. You know, you learned it all. And you became cultural Christian, like the Israelites became cultural Jewish. And one of the characteristics of becoming a cultural whatever, well, not cultural whatever, cultural Christian, is that covenant doesn't become a central theme in your life anymore. It just becomes like, oh, yeah, I've heard that story. I've I've heard that message. But then you begin to see that you begin to draw away, and we've seen it this season. So many people have left us. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. They leave God. They don't leave me. They leave God. I, I really, I don't lose any sleep over anybody. So if you think, if you leave the church and, and, and you think by leaving you hurt us, trust me, you don't. <laughs> I'm totally fine. I'm a big boy. I already went through all that. But when you become so blessed that you begin to think you don't need to remember what God did for you, you've set yourself on a track of a lot of headaches and a lot of disappointments and a lot of things that you've heard and didn't work out in your life. Because it wasn't the word, it wasn't even the preacher's fault, is that you chose to stop remembering what God has done for you. Are you still here? I mean, there's the the power of covenant remembrance. It delivered them. One person, I don't know if it was one or somebody got together and says, you remember that guy Abraham? Our father? That was a covenant between God and him. What if we cry out to God? And God said, whoa, after 400 years, somebody cried out. And you know the rest of the story. And then you track the Israelites through the Old Testament. And every time they were in covenant, they were winning every battle. But as soon as they forgot the power of covenant, it was so obvious, they'd go into captivity. And this went on for a couple thousand years. So those things will translate back into your life. Are you here? I'm just, I mean, I'm, this is my, my job. Like I tell you, one day I'm going to wear brown shorts and a brown shirt and a hat, and I'm going to say, package delivery, do you want it? Y'all can do whatever you want to with this message. But you got to remember what God's done for you. And you don't just remember, like, well, he did this, and he bought me this. No, it, it's a time of reflection. Because the same thing that happens when you remember a sad event in your life, the same thing that happens when you bring up that, that moment that you relive, and maybe it was a good one or it was bad, or, or that moment you pick up the picture of your last amazing vacation, and you're like, wow, wasn't, didn't we have such a great time? It's the same thing that's happening to your faith when covenant is ignited in remembrance. That's the remembrance. Which we're not talking about, oh, that went, but that was bad. No, because, you know, we understand what Paul said. I forget what's behind me, and I stretch forth to what's in front of me. Yes, that's me. But to, to, to remember covenant is one of the most powerful things you can, you can do, especially in a time of a storm. Give me the next one. I'm going to give you some simple points on how to do this, all right? So open your Bible. Let me just give you some, some other ones. Psalm 78, 10, 11, and 42 to close that point. It says, they did not keep. Now, this is the, the, the children of Israel, and he's talking about the situation in the desert. So they've already come out of Egypt. They've already delivered out of Egypt. Now they're here. They're back into captivity. They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by his law. Pay attention. They, what? Say it like you mean it. They forgot what he had done and the wonders he had shown them. They did not remember his powers the day he redeemed them from the oppressor. God has not changed, church. If things aren't on track in your life, there's only one other person that changed. And it is that danger of cultural Christianity where it just becomes a thing. And covenant becomes secondary to the program or to the title. I'm a Christian, so i got to go to church. Get your little star. We'll, we'll be handing out stars at the end of the service. <laughs> Clean your little ugly forehead so we can stick it on there. So everybody in town can see you're a good little Christian. 
It is way beyond that. It is acts of love, acts of kindness, but all of, all of those things coming from covenant. So what I did this morning, and I'm not going to go along this morning, but I was thinking, how can I teach this and they can take something home? How can I teach this where you guys would have something that you could work over the holidays? I'm not expecting you to do that, you know, today. You can, but, and I'm doing it in my own life. I started, even this morning, I, I, I've been up, like, super early. I got up, like, 2.30 or something, of course. Once that, once that happens, you're not going back to sleep. So I've been spending a lot of time with God this morning. And he showed me something really cool. Go ahead. Give me the next one, RJ. I want you to write your own Psalm 136. <laughs> Is it, aren't we not supposed to write Bible? Shut up, you religious, ugly thing. This is for your help. And I'm going to illustrate it. So, and again, Psalm 136 is really long, so I'm not talking about writing the whole thing. But I want you to take this with your story, and I'm going to give you just an example of what I did. Because Psalm 136 is such a beautiful song, and there are songs that are written about it. It says, give thanks to the Lord. And it really breaks down how amazing God is, and guess what? How simple God is. Not complex like religion has made it. Just simple love. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Why don't we do it like that? You know how they, you know how they used to do it, the, the Jewish people? The priest will read the first part, and the congregation will answer. Let's try that, all right? You, all you guys have to do is, his love endures forever. This morning I was trying to get, I, was, I wasn't like in a real good Christmas spirit. And I was trying to teach my gra- two grandkids that were in the house, Ayan and Caden, that they, all they had to do was say, fa la 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 and they weren't doing it. That's another story. It almost ruined my very good humor I woke up with. That's the truth. Because I went, you know how, how it starts? How does it start again? Now, y'all know it. Maybe I should try it with y'all. Maybe you see if y'all respond. So I went, deck the hall with balls of folly. And they're looking at me like, no, but they didn't do that. They're just looking at me. And I'm like, what's the matter with y'all? Okay, so don't do that. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Oh, that sounds so good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. Now, let's just keep it at that. How do you make this your own? All right, give me the next one. I just wrote some things. I wrote three down. I'll read you mine. But you, you could do this all day. You write your life out with that. You start... Give thanks to the Lord, for he gave me godly parents. I mean, I'm talking to me. I'm just me. Maybe he gave you godly parents. And his love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. And I just put the blank for your convenience. I'm just behind the blank. For guiding me back to where I needed to be. Because I was on a path of destruction. His love endures forever. You see how remembrance works? I'm just saying, I'm just starting getting chills now. That covenant starts like bubbling in my spirit. So whatever I'm facing in the future, I could always go back to the past and look at the stones that I built in my spirit and say those 12 stones that I built in my spirit is when God delivered me. Those other 12 stones is when he healed my granddaughter that was going to die. And those 12 stones is when he healed my wife of tumors. And, those, you know, and, I, and, and here we go. And his love endures forever. And his love endures forever. Imagine if you actually took the time and said, well, that's cute, Pastor, but you actually took the time this Christmas season and took a piece of paper and your Bible, and put on a little bit of praise and worship, and give the kids some melatonin or something so they don't bug you. I know I had to throw, some of you are like, yeah, you don't understand. Even if it's at 3 in the morning. I got overwhelmed with God's presence around 4.30 this morning so much, I began to weep. Morning goes to sleep, and I'm not like in my office. I mean, morning goes to sleep, and I'm over there like, Jesus! I'm having like this moment, you know, and my wife's like... Like, okay, whatever, you know. <laughs> it doesn't take much to get the presence of God in your life. It doesn't take much. It takes a grateful heart. It takes a covenant-thinking person. And I'm telling you, you can keep going. Give thanks to the Lord for taking me out of darkness. His love endures forever. Do you see where we're going with this? How far can you go with it? I mean, if you've been a Christian a week, I'm sure you got a few things. But if you've been a Christian like us for about 30 years, it could take a long time. And at the end of this thing, whatever you're facing would look so faint. That monster and that mountain that you're looking at right now, 
would, would, be, would be like the song, Faintly Dim. Faintly Dim. Because you have built a, a, something inside of remembrance. You've built this covenant that you're saying, no, no, Lord, the devil's telling me he's going to bury me with this one, but wait a minute, i got 30 years of history here. i got more history. Because even when I was running from God, he protected me from dying. Remember that little story about getting in jail? That's because I totaled my parents' car and put the motor inside the car, and I walked out of it. And the guy that was with me walked out of it. Because his love endures forever. I've had to face people with guns and everything, and I've been in my own, own other accidents and own other hard situations. And guess what? His love endures forever. Come on. That, I'm talking pre-Jesus. You know what? Because I had a praying mom. Pay, t- pay attention now. You think mamas, you think your prayers aren't matter? Oh, my God. Mothers have a prayer that is more powerful than a father because it's based on covenant. And all you got to do, and we can't do that, is blessed is the fruit of my womb. And I don't care if that child's 40 years old running from God. He says, and they will serve the Lord every day of their life because that's not my idea. That's covenant. And by the way, devil, let me remind you of all the remembrance, and then you go back to the 12 stones, the 12 stones, the 12 stones. The 12, if you don't know what I'm talking about, that happens, it's mentioned in, in Joshua chapter 4, they would pile these stones every time God did a victory, and 12 represented one stone for each tribe. Where are your 12 stones in your life? Have you forgot them? Are they scattered? Think about it, because it's really easy to be negative. It's really easy to just fall into like, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Where are your 12 stones? I'm telling you, these are very simple. This is a very, you don't have to read the whole thing. Just take these three scriptures and keep going and going. And I would even do it chronologically if you want to. Start with the day you got born again. Or start with the day you were born. You'll begin to see God even before you served him. (laughs) You know, when you were still running from God, you'll see him. But it has to come from you. It has to make a moment that you say, Holy Spirit, go back into the archives of my mind and bring up all these stones that I need to pile up again because the stones are scattered in my life and I'm just all negative and depressed because my God is about that size right now. God didn't become smaller because your perspective of him, your perspective of your God became smaller because you're focusing on the wrong things. Amen? Y'all getting something out of this this morning? We're almost done. Give me the next one, Archie. (laughs) Excuse me. And this is what came out of this morning, by the way. The highlights of your life will reside in your present and in the memories you created along the way. That's it. Your whole life is going to be in your present and in the remembrance. Everything else doesn't really matter. Let that sink a little bit. This is powerful, church. Because we're living in a time where it's very easily to leave church now. You just got to flip up the... TV and get 15 other preachers that, you know, will tickle your ears or whatever. But do you remember when God blessed you, and guess what he used? People. Do you remember when God blessed you, and guess what he used? A church family. Do you remember that? Because a lot of people are forgetting it lately. Remember when you had a dead-end job, and now you got a great, wonderful, amazing job. Remember? Because God... Because a pastor prayed for you, and that job showed up. The pastor didn't do nothing. I'm just saying, God uses people. Are you here? God will use people to bless you. But the, but the process begins with never forgetting where you came from. Never forgetting where he found you. you don't, this is not living in the past. This is building memorials. And really, I, I just take that in. You know, my, my, my whole highlight of my life is, 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 is really summarizing this now. Any, any garbage from the past, I could care less because I can't fix it. And the future, well, I'll plan, you know. But I'm not going to live in the future either. Are you here? I'm going to live in my present with all the altars that I need to bring back of where my God met me. Where I had no hope. And we're going to do the last one. And this is going to change your whole perspective on communion today. Give me the next one, Andre. Psalm 77, 11 says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works, and I will meditate. The word meditate is to bring up. 
because somebody's, you know, somebody, it's a good, a great illustration. Anybody knows anything about cattle farm, you know, cows? South Texas, we know a lot about cows. But it, what a cow does with its food, that's the best definition of meditate. That's a Bible definition. If you don't know it, a cow has four stomachs that you care. And early in the morning, like four in the morning, they'll go out and start grazing until it gets hot. And then you'll see them under a mesquite, and they're like this. And they don't, by the way, they don't chew like this because they don't have teeth on the bottom. They chew like this. You guys are getting a whole lesson on biology. I just have H to come and teach this. And they'll sit there and go, and then they'll get quiet. And I watch them because, you know, when you've got nothing else to do on the ranch, you watch cows. That's what you do. You like that, Danny? <laughs> Danny's the only guy that really likes my stupid jokes. I love you, Dan. And then it, and then it stops. And I'm like, what happened? To and then it starts back again. And I'm like, it didn't eat nothing. You know what it did? Yeah, it burped its food back up. That's exactly what it did. It chews it up, and then it chews it a little more. And then it puts it back down. It's meditating. And then it stops chewing. And then all of a sudden, boom, boom. Now it goes into the second, and it's still meditating. That's exactly what meditation means. That's what people say. I gotta go. Okay, I'm gonna. Uh, good sermon, Pastor. Check. Let's go to next Sunday. Hope he, I hope he has a good sermon. Check. You haven't even applied one thing from the last one. That's why we have the little stars for you. So people know you went to church because nothing else tells us that you went to church. That's what happens when you spend time with God. No, you got to meditate. And don't raise your hand, but if I said, what did I preach on last week? Don't do that, Pastor. The Bible, yeah, we nailed it, the Bible. Pretty sure it was about the Bible. It was tis the season to be content, in case you forgot. So hopefully you're content. Because you've been meditating on that all week. And you realize you don't need all that junk to be happy. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Remembrance is not just, well, let's just think. No, it's bringing it back up like if it's happening. Taking God's word and saying, by the, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. Even when your body is broken and struggling and you're nobody. That cross, he took it. What are you doing? You're meditating. You're remembering the cross. You're remembering the covenant. That's why the psalmist said, I will remember the deeds. Why is he doing this? Because he's facing challenges, church. And the challenges have to be faced on the last victories that God got you through because if you don't have that information feeding your faith, you're just going to go into like your God just left. Amen. All right. Is that the last one, RJ? Oh, no. There's a couple more. So, today, ushers, help me. We're going to take communion and I'm going to talk and say, get ready. I'm not done preaching, but I'm going to let them get ready. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 11. I didn't put the scripture up there because I want to read it out. Because there's a couple things I want to pick out. And I'm going to show you this because I think this, this, this arena of communion, <laughs> we got to bring it home because it's something you can do at your house. You can do it by yourself. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and minister, minister the elements to the people. Thank you. Y'all just listen to me. Y'all don't have to follow me. Through. I know you'll have something in your hand. So. so Paul writing to the church in Corinth, and of course, you know the story, a lot of you know the story, the church in Corinth was a mess on so many levels. And he's trying to put this thing back together because they had taken communion and they had made a party out of it and they had taken the communion service and not only that, they made it a racist event because back then in, in the times of Greece, it was, you know, back then racism wasn't based on your color of skin, it was based on your level in society and the poor people weren't considered the same as the rich people so the rich people or the people who had something would, would come to the church early and it wasn't like this. They would have like a meal, and they would have wine, and they would get blasted drunk. It was a, it was a mess. That's what Paul's addressing. And the poor people would come, they'd say, what time's communion? They'd say, four. And they were there since 11, and by the time the poor people came in, they're all drunk, and there's nothing left. And Paul's really, you know, upset about this. And he says, guys, guys, you, got, you guys got this whole communion thing messed up. Because the reason you're sick, and the reason you're dying is because you don't understand this. He tells them right there, the reason you're sick and the reason you're dying. I'm going to read all this. I'm just telling you what it says. 
He says, if you understand, bring to remembrance. And here's what we're doing. Take the little cup of juice. Take the little wafer. Okay, we're done. Thank God it's almost done. So, you know, we got to go back. You know, we got to go to the restaurant. What is the one thing in your life right now? The one thing, not the ten things. The one thing is the biggest mountain in your life. Can you remember what God said about that mountain? Can you remember how he removed a few other mountains? That's the power of remembrance. It's not just, okay, and then you go out and get mad because somebody's parked behind you. Are you kidding me? Communion is one with God and one with each other. But the one with God is not just one with God. It's one with the covenant that he brought you down. This whole thing is covenant. Thank God it's still clothes. It'd be all over the floor right now. I went like that, not thinking, whoa, Jesus, all right. (laughs) This thing is all about covenant. It's not about grape juice and a wafer. These things are sold old. You might get drunk off that grape juice. I don't know. Spend some time in the memories of victory this morning. Spend some time before you take this and build it up. And then look at that mountain and say, Lord, this is your body. We're not there yet. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> I'm just explaining where we're going. This is your blood of a new covenant. And I'm going to settle it right now. But before I take it, I'm going to remember, yeah, you, yeah, you healed my wife. You healed my granddaughter. Yeah, you got me out of that financial mess. Yep. Yep. No, I didn't lose my home. That I almost lost. Yeah, no, I didn't lose. Okay. And I just, you know, here we are. We, I haven't taken communion yet. Do this in, pay attention, inside remembrance. Do this in remembrance. Do you see it? Not just, oh yeah, this cute little, no. Do it in covenant remembrance. In other words, take communion in the knowing that God's got this. That's what he's, that's the remembrance. Those are the 12 stones you need to pile up around your life now. If you haven't done it, you need to do it today. We're not going to sit in memories of confusion and anger and fear. That's not what we're trying to remember. We had all those. And we have, we'll probably have a whole lot coming up in the future. No, no, no. We are remembering the time that there was no hope out there and somehow God showed up. That's what I'm remembering. I remember the time they told us that the baby was sick. That's what I'm remembering. And how a month later she came out of there and they couldn't even find the meningitis in her. So I remember that. So next time a baby gets sick, it's like, oh, devil, you stupid fool. You shouldn't have come. You shouldn't have come with my babies. Because let me tell you about Ayana. Let me tell you about this. Let me tell you about that. Let me... And you know who I want to be confused? Him. I want him to be confused, and I want him to be in anger, and I want him to be in fear for messing with me. Because when the devil tries to tell you what your future is, you should go back and tell him what his future is. Say, hey, come on, Mr. Devil. Pull up a chair. Hey, I'll listen to you. But let me, let me. You got a Bible? No, you don't have a Bible. I have one. Book of Revelation. That whole lake of fire thing, yeah, it looks really bad for you. Watch how quick he gets confused. You don't have to put up with him. Covenant has to be louder. Amen? Father, we thank you for the word we received this morning. And yes, Lord, tis the season to be content. Yes, tis the season of covenant reminders. But Father, as we come into this holiday season, we don't. this is not about gifts, it's not about trees. This is about something deeper for God so loved the world. That's what it's all about. That you made covenant with your people. And right now, I come against every mountain that is, that is represented in this room, every challenge, every negative doctor's report, every negative financial report. Father, I come against that on a covenant basis only. On the blood of Jesus. And Father, we declare today that we are free. That we are a covenant family. And Father, you know the challenges that our family faces, just like the challenges they face. But Father, we rest this afternoon. We rest in promise. We rest in covenant. That you have never left us, you have never forsaken us, and you're not about to start today, Lord. So for that, you get all the glory and all the praise. So Father, right now, every challenge, every mountain, we do it in remembrance. Go ahead, settle that right now. Do your own prayer. 
telling you, this is how this works. Just go to God and say, I'm done, I'm done fearing about it. I'm done having anxiety about it. I'm done talking about it, Lord. It's covenant. And if you can't fix it, it don't need to be fixed. I'm done with it. If you get that attitude, you're going to see God move in your life in a powerful, powerful way. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Glory to Jesus. You guys ready? Father, we just thank you for this moment. We take the elements of communion, Father, and we honor them. And we bless them in the context of what I just taught them. This is not grape juice and a cookie. This is a reminder to us of what you've done on that cross. And Lord, we win. We win. Go ahead and tell yourself, we win. I win. Amen. Amen. And when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. You ready? This do in remembrance of me. And Father, we remember all the times you've healed us. We remember all the times you delivered us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And after the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament. You can translate the word testament to covenant. In my blood, again, this do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So remember the blood. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, none of us would be here this morning. Woo, did you get something out of all that? Can you give the Lord praise while you're still holding your cup? (laughs) Awesome. What a good, good day. What a good day. Well, we're very excited. I want to talk to you. You know, it says, man, I got a lot of time. What's up with this? All right, preach another sermon. I want to talk to you a little bit about the significance of next Sunday. There you go. Thank you, Kathy. And for some of you that, this is like a pastor joke. You only hear this like at ministers' conferences. So we're not the only ones. But this is like a thing. So I'm hoping you guys don't make it a thing here. When you invite a guest speaker to your church, this is like a thing. Not just a faithway thing. It's a thing everywhere. For some reason, your congregation doesn't want to come to church. So please show up next Sunday. Because Dennis Burke, you know, we pay all his ways. You pay all his ways. So maybe if you think about, you know, he doesn't charge. He's a friend of mine. But we honor the man of God. We pay for his plane. We pay for his hotel. We pay for his meals. And we give him a love offering. So indirectly, even if you're not here next Sunday, you paid for that. So I was thinking, man, if you're investing in a word, why don't you come and get it? And why don't you invite somebody? If you were to bring somebody to one service, that maybe they don't want to come to Faithway, or maybe you can you know, convince them by saying, hey, I'll take you to lunch or something. I would love for you to bring them next Sunday because Dennis Burke is such a man of God. I mean, a long history with him, the way I met him, I'm not going to tell you, but everything was really like God set this thing up with this man. If you don't know who he is, you Google him. He's a writer, very, you know, he's written many, many books. He travels the world. He's preached with Joseph Prince. He's preached at Hillsong. So, you know, we're bringing people that aren't, you know, <laughs> Some guy down the corner that I found on Stripes. Hey, you want to preach? <laughs> you know, he's been in, he's been in, in, in big churches. And, and, and the fact that because of our relationship, he will consider coming to Heavenville is actually a pretty big deal. So you need to consider that. Y'all sit with me? Consider the gift that we bring. Because your part really is only to show up. That's all you have to do. And then receive. So Dr. Dennis Burke will be with us um, next Sunday. And then at the end of the year, um, Dr. Terry Mize will be with us, and that'll be great. So we're looking forward to a good, you know, a good Christmas season and a good vacation and all these things, you know. But really, spend some time contemplating on some of these things, you know, that, that, that what is God doing? We're looking at 2022. Um, we're going to change some things, not a lot, you know, this is not going to change, don't get nervous. But the church really has to get more into the, it's the community. And I think one of the things, like we talked to our leadership meeting, and for those watching online, you're, you know, you're, you guys are part of this as much as anybody else, is during the last two years, the, the church as a whole, I'm talking not just Faithway as a whole, as a body of Christ, really took a, a tremendous hit with COVID. And they say that 40% of American churches closed down. I don't know where they got that number, but I'm, you know, all over America, there's little tiny churches everywhere. I mean, drive through any town, you'll see you know, three, four people in every church, whatever. So I'm assuming that's where they got their number. But, you know, because a small church can't weather a pandemic like a megachurch. It's as simple as that. 
so those couple years have been really hard what we have to be very careful as a church I want to talk to everybody here listen to me is that we don't marry if I could say the word marry marry that and I use it in our leadership meeting that injured dog mentality and I think the church has that attitude like well we're just trying to get to the next Sunday trying to get this no enough you know we're going to come into January we're going to have you know we're going to I can't you know I can't birth excitement in you but hopefully you'll get the vision of what we're doing there'll be a lot more missions I'm already planning of you know going back to Ukraine early summer I'm going to Cuba late March probably it's, Cuba's a big <laughs> question mark anytime talk about Cuba but planning the plan is late March and there's plans for for the children's ministry to kick back again into Cuba and we're gonna do it by faith but here's what happens you know we are teams and I was telling you know I'm not gonna get into that but there I said it last week and I'll say it again there's three primary things that will cause a church to succeed or not succeed I mean there's a lot of things but there's three basic ones number one is you, you gotta have leadership I, you know our leadership always including myself we always have room for improvement I agree but we have some really good leadership in this church. Can you give our leadership a hand clap? They're there for you. Come on. You know, I believe, I believe our leadership pastors more than I do. Meaning phone calls, prayers, lots going on that I'm, I'm never aware of. And that's because people trust our leadership. People like Kathy, Yanis, and Angie, and Araceli, Miriam, and many more. If I don't mention names, don't get upset. I'm saying all these people are solid. Diana, they've been with us. I mean, any of these, I mean, these are solid people. So we have an amazing leadership. You know, the other thing you have to have is teams that get behind them. And, and we've struggled a little bit there, but for the most part, we get it done. We need teams to serve in the nursery and jam and so forth and so on. And the last thing you need to have a successful ministry is resources. You can't, you know, you, you have to have those three dynamics. And if one of those dynamics leaves, then the other two will be affected. And that's historical. You can study all this out. So once the resource arena comes in and people stop giving, people stop tithing because of financial pressure or what have you, I'm not, I'm not putting a, you know, a guilt trip on anybody. I'm saying... When that arena gets not taken care of, the church fails. Or you could have a very prosperous church but have a really bad leadership. Or have leadership that's in sin. Or have leadership that, you know, you know what I'm saying. Or you, just could, or you could have money and leadership and not have teams. Amen? And then it wouldn't work either because who runs the church, right? So you need those three dynamics. And this is where I'm telling you, this is not a time to make decisions about, you know, well, I wonder, you know, Careful, careful, careful with the poison of cultural Christianity. Be careful with that poison. It's out there. And, it, it, and all of us, including myself, I've, I've seen, I've, you know, if I can say it this way, I've seen myself infected by this. Where pretty, pretty soon it just comes like, a, okay, Sunday to Sunday, make sure you got a sermon for Sunday. No, 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 no. This is what Jesus died for, people. Come on. This is a, what a lot of Christians have died for throughout history. This is why people got eaten up by lions. This is why people, you know, got crucified. This is why people got burnt in oil. So today we could have gospel. And we can't take that lightly. That doesn't mean, is he saying, no, no, that just means get with Jesus on this thing. Not with faith way. But if you, if you call this your church, then this is the place that Jesus has called you to. Are you tracking? And that includes those three levels. Well, I'm not going to be a leader. Okay, then support the leadership. But at least in teams, you have to be in some form or fashion. I'm just telling you. If Jesus taught us something, is we were here to serve. Yes? You remember the whole washing feet ceremony thing? The greatest will be the least. So, you know, really pray through this holiday season. Because I just think 2022 is going to be a good year if we get those three dynamics all in the right if we have the money and we have the teams and, and we have the leadership on fire, we're going to do some amazing things next year. But we haven't had that, church. We haven't had that for a while because, not, not your fault, not my fault, but because of the spirit that came with COVID. Not just COVID, the spirit that came with COVID was about stealing your joy, shutting you down, you know, removing that, uh, that God energy that you used to have and just kind of hang on, I hope I get to heaven. That's not who we are. Are you kidding me? We're world changers. We're not here to hang on to the end. We're here to change the end of other people. Remember one thing about church. Last thing I want to say. Then we'll pick up this morning's offering. The success of a church is never measured by the destination. You know, like for example, if I start a business and I say, okay, my business in five years, I need to grow it to 50,000. And in 10 years, I need to grow it to a million dollars, whatever. Whatever your business plan is. 
So you can say that's the success. What is the success of Walmart? What is the success of any company? Well, they, they can measure it. They can say by this time, that's why stock markets go up and down, right? When they, when they have the, you know, the earnings report and everybody's like, okay, you know, did the, the stock go up? It can be measured. But a church is really different because church success can't be measured, you know, with those, with those numbers. Church success is not like, okay, when we get to 200 people, we're successful. When we get to 2,000, that's not the church success. The church success is like a moving train. The success is the whole journey of lives being affected as we go. Lives will come in, and God will bless them, and lives will leave. But guess what? There's all the lives that will stay. And we can't be overly concerned about those that left because we got to be working on the ones that stayed. But, that, but, but that's church. Church is not a measurable end. Because if you say, what is the success of faith? Well, I don't know. I really don't know. I guess I will maybe, hopefully, if Jesus wants to, the only time I will ever know what the success of Faithway was is when I get to heaven. I can't measure this. You know, what if some guy in Cuba that I brought to Jesus becomes the next Billy Graham? I can't measure this. Do you see it? You don't know if that guy that you share Jesus with, you know, is a world changer and is going to impact thousands of millions of people. We don't know. So the, so the, so the, or, or just bring it to local church. Think about, remember, you want a remembrance? Where were you when you came to church? Take a moment to remember. Where were you emotionally? Where were you spiritually? Where were you financially? Because if you forget that, guess what? You'll be the next person that leaves the church. Amen? And here's what I've been saying, and I'm really open about it, because if something I, I hope you guys can relate to me as your pastors, that I, you know, transparency is number is important in my life. And I think I, I was telling louder, somebody I was telling this week, I said, you know, if, if, if this church is shut down all of a sudden and, and disappear for whatever reason, it's not going to happen. I was thinking about my, my life doesn't really change a lot. I'll just go back to missions. I'll go back to what I do, right? Who's affected if this thing shuts down? Not me. I don't live off of this. You know, it's not like I have to have it because if not, I won't be able to pay my bills. Actually, I'll probably have more money if I... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, we're not going anywhere. I'm just trying to get some excitement in you. That's all I'm trying to do. Think about the track you've had with Jesus. And think about what part of that track Faithway was influenced. God doesn't need, you know, God can do whatever he wants, but God will use people and God will use churches because that's the plan. He gave gifts unto men, apostles, apostles, teachers, prophets, evangelists, to train the people to do the work of the ministry. You realize that? You guys are supposed to be doing, you guys are supposed to be casting out the devils. You guys are supposed to be raising the dead. You guys are supposed to be paying for the cancer victims and watch them come out with a clear cancer report. That's you, not us. But since we don't teach that, guess who's doing it? We are. But the Bible's very clear. The fivefold ministry's got one mission, to train you to be a world changer, to train you to make a difference. That's what we're trying to do. Amen? So consider those three points. When you give, when you come, when you serve. Amen? All right. If you're ready to give, there'll be information on the screen and envelopes next to you. It's great to see everybody. Again, Dennis Burke, next Sunday, please um, help us. We'll put a little ad up on Facebook. You guys can always copy and paste and send and text and do your part in, in helping us get the word out. You know, a lot of people might come if they know he's coming, so help us out. All right, go ahead and stand with me and I'll get you out of here and we'll see you all next week. Father, we just thank you this morning. We thank you for the word has taken us, Lord, and it has traveled a long way, even though it wasn't a long message and that doesn't matter, but it took us, Father, to a place of remembrance. And and before I even close this service, God, we want to take a moment in this house and say, you've been so faithful. You've been so faithful to this church. God, I was thinking... (laughs) From when we first came to Heavenville, the little building, all the different people that have come through this place. I remember the life's changed, the people delivered. People that had a dead-end life, and now they're successful in so many ways. God, I remember all those. But, Father, the remembrance is the grace that you granted us. The same grace we have today. That there is nothing missing and nothing broken in my life. Not because of me, but because of what you did, Jesus. And Father, as we close this service, let this week be a week of remembrance, of covenant 
remembrance. Let this be a week of sharing the amazing things that you've done in our life. And Father, I call them blessed. For those that will be traveling up and down, I know there's a lot of movement during Christmas season, covenant protection. Psalm 91, for those that came from Laredo this morning, it's great to see them. Covenant protection on their way home. And I give you all the glory, all the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Well, with that, you are dismissed. Show yourself friendly to two or three people. If y'all going to clap, clap. Come on. Don't just sit there and Sounds like tortillas. <laughs> God bless you guys. We'll see you all next week. <laughs> oh, when? Let me get Can you mute me? Because I'm going to have a conversation. Hey.